Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, the modern podcast for the modern entrepreneur. My name is Dan Ledbetter, and with me, as always, the founder, CEO, and of course, resident mama bird of Little Bird Marketing, Priscilla McKinney. Good morning, Priscilla. Good morning. Hi, Dan. You, you seem very uh, chipper, as always. I yeah I am and you know I'm in a good mood which I I am almost always in a good mood but it just feels it feels special and I was walking in with some of my team today and Khalif is wearing like a ruffled uh, tuxedo shirt with a bow tie and I was like yeah yeah that's what I, that's how I feel is he really so. he's wearing a ruffled tuxedo shirt with a bow tie well it's fancy pants Thursday uh, I was not aware of this trend. What? How no, have you been around us all these years and not known about Fancy Pants I, Thursday? Apparently, uh, I don't get the memos, or I need to get hooked up on that memo system. But no, I, I, I'm lucky if I have pants on on Thursday, <laughs> let alone Fancy Pants. Good Lord. No, for you, it's just called Pants Thursday. <laughs> it is, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I don't get the memos either. That's what I love about our culture here is that it has a life of its own, and everybody dresses up very, very fancy every Thursday. Oh. Oh, I yeah. well, okay, well, I'll I'll do that as well then. So that, and I'm in a great mood. So exactly, yeah. Well, that's the nice thing about you. It's like you know, the, one of the things I enjoy about podcasting with you, other than the fact that you know we've known each other for a long, long time, but you are always upbeat and personable and ready to go. It's like I've never experienced you in the time that I've known you to be like. What was that character from the Flintstones that had the cloud over him? Schlepprock. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, God, right? that is reaching back. That that is reaching back <laughs> apparently. And uh, but he always walked around going wowzy wowzy woo. woo, woo. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but you you're no Schlepprock. That's I guess that's no. the point I'm trying to make. I like that. Yeah. You know what? I am very optimistic, and sometimes that gets me in a lot of trouble too. Right. <laughs> and I'm very quick to fix or quick to help, and that gets me in a lot of trouble. Um, but I, you know, I'd rather live that way than not. Yeah, I think it's a good way to go. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm, I'm so excited about this morning because here's here's the thing. You know how we always, uh, at the end of the podcast, say, hey, if you've got ideas or if you've got anything at all, you know, send them our way. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, people have actually sent stuff in. So I actually have uh, some questions that I'd like to ask you. I want to do this off the cuff, so I'm, I'm oh, not wow. giving you any heads up. Uh, you know, thank God for editing. Uh, okay, because... well, I, when I gave you free reign over this episode, I wasn't sure I, that, you know, I was going to be put on the spot, but <laughs> I suppose I should have seen it coming. Well, uh, consider yourself spotted then. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here, I'll, I'll give you a really easy one. Here's an easy one. That's a warm up, just so we can get the creative juices flowing. Are you ready? Okay. So this feels a lot to me like a pop quiz. It can, oh, you know what? Yes, it is like a pop quiz. So okay. I hereby make this Thursday, or whatever today is, Dan and Priscilla's pop quiz. Okay. All right? Okay, first pop quiz ever. Go. First pop quiz. All right. If you could only take one album to a desert island for the rest of your life, what would that album be and why? Queen's Greatest Hits. Wow. That was, that was like, that was not <laughs> even, uh, there was no hesitation in that. No, you know, I'll tell you the things that went through my head real quick. Please. Peter Gabriel, Us. Oh, Pete, wow. Pete Green, Greatest Hits. Right. Scorpions, Worldwide Live. Oh, great album. I know. Come on. Um, those those ones that quickly went through my head, and I just went, no. I mean, at the end of the day, what else can you say but 
Freddie Mercury. Right. I know. I mean, if you if you're gonna be alone and you need one voice, that voice could just it, it's enough. It's enough to to for you to remember the solace of humanity that you you know left behind. Because right. I mean, probably in my opinion, the most beautiful voice ever. Yeah, I would say you know. In fact, on that note, there is. Um, I think if you do a search. Mm -hmm. uh, for Freddie Mercury acapella, there's a couple of tracks out there where they pulled off all the instruments and just left his voice. Really? And, and it is, uh, honestly, Priscilla, it's one of the most amazing things. It's like, you go, you know, you, you think of pop stars today and you just wonder, like, how many of them are using auto-tune and how mm -hmm. many of them write their own stuff, which is probably right. next to nothing. But mm -hmm. to hear his voice, is it is so pure mm -hmm. and passionate and into it's it's almost a, you know a, dare i say it, it would bring a tear to your eye oh and it has many times which is why i really didn't hesitate so much <laughs> you know i i love adele for that reason too i think she's has amazing voice incredibly talented singer songwriter but i just like her and I think there's just more depth to her as a person and i think it comes out in the music and likewise with freddie mercury i mean Amazing, amazing. Yeah, it would be. Oh, that would wasn't be... so hard. This this quiz isn't so hard. So oh far. yeah, that's well, that's the warm up. Now, now okay. I'm gonna get. Are you ready for the next one? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, good. All right. So, what has been your most satisfying moment in business? Wow. Okay. I know it's a, it's a tough one, and there's no right or wrong answer, so don't feel that pressure. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, for the sake of not sitting here silent, I'll tell All you right. a couple of things that pop in my head very quickly, and then I'd have to pick from them. But every other Friday is incredibly satisfying when we actually meet payroll. <laughs> 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 and, you know, I know that might sound totally stupid to people, but if, if, if for the people that are entrepreneurs out there, I get so proud every other Friday just going, yep, another one down. Haven't wow. missed it yet. It's a constant like moment and opportunity for gratitude for my clients that I've had over the years and that the people around me that are here working and the excellent work they do, that they're willing to trade me some money for their being. Right, right. <laughs> I, I love that. I think one of the other most satisfying moments, you know, it's so funny because you think of all the awards and all those kinds of things, you get literally like none of those things come to mind. I think... When I was standing out in front of my building as it was burning to the ground and the news, you know, was coming to cover it and, you know, looking at the sidewalk, I, I almost like tear up thinking about it right now because it's just it was such a crazy moment Wow! Was when I saw who had heard about the fire and there were like 50 people on that sidewalk there for me. It's like 630 in the morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and clients, I had clients there. I had, you know, vendors there. I had, um, you know, friends there. You know, I, I think about the, sometimes, you know, when things get tough, I literally try and put myself back there and look at that sidewalk of the people who stood there with me, who would not have missed that moment in my life for the world. Wow. And they heard in some way, because obviously, you know, I'm not like calling everybody. I'm busy watching my place burn to the ground. <laughs> right. And I think that was really satisfying because I thought, you know what? I have built relationships. I do have people around me who care and they would expect me to be there. And so I think that was a very, that's a, probably my most satisfying moment. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, I, I don't even know how I can top that uh, answer to that question. <laughs> I Lord. will say a funny thing. One of my clients who just three weeks before had lost not only his home but also his business to the tornado, he showed up at my fire, and this is the kind of hilarious, slap-happy situation we were in at that point. He brought roasting marshmallows over. It's no. In the morning. He actually had to go to the store, go get some marshmallows, and he brought me a bag of roasting marshmallows. It's like... You know, I'm with you, kid. I'm with you. Wow. That's a jaw dropper right there. I was sitting yeah. there going, how would I yeah. respond to that? I mean, the only thing you could do is laugh. I mean, yeah. That because you, you, you've already shed enough tears, it's like the, you might as well at least get some some yeah, words out of the deal. Yeah, exactly. You're just so incredulous at that time. I mean, here I'm barely dressed as I jumped up out of out of my house and literally one of my girlfriends is putting lipstick on me cuz the cameras are about ready to roll and my other girlfriend is just like, "No, no. You are fine. You have a business. You are your business. No, there is no problem with what is going on behind you." Oh, wow. <laughs> like okay, I'm ready. And they're like, okay, are we ready to roll? You know, the news cameras are about ready to turn on. I'm like, yeah, apparently I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) At least they tell me I am. Everybody else tells me I am. (laughs) So that's a very satisfying moment. Wow. All right. Well, on that, on that note, as an entrepreneur, what is your greatest fear? And the second part is how do you manage fear? Hmm. Well, tapping right into mine, I I am afraid many times that my optimism is going to get the better of me. Ooh, like how so? Well, even right now, I have an offer in front of me to buy up another network, and I'm really looking through numbers and trying to figure things out. But I'm always optimist. I am very good at analyzing what is a good business model. I know that. I'm not afraid of, oh, I'm too dumb to figure it out. I'm not afraid of that. Right. But I am always very willing to take risks, and I love that about myself, and I know that my husband loves that, and he certainly does not try and temper it. And this is this really speaks a lot to how great of a support Steve is and what entrepreneurs really need in a spouse or in other support. I could not mitigate, I think, or navigate, I think, this fear of being too optimistic if I didn't know for sure that I had that level of support. But I do get afraid of maybe stepping out too big um, just because I always bet on myself. Mm. And I, it's so positive. It's so wonderful. It's not something I want to diminish. It's just a lot of times I live in that fear that I'm going to overreach. And how do I navigate it was your second question was I don't try and diminish it I need that fear Mm, that fear is very welcome it needs to be right here with me it needs to be right here with my bravery it needs to be right here with my optimism and it just needs to be paid attention to and the moment I start like trying to push it down and say no no brush that under the rug you know you're not supposed to be afraid yes you are supposed to be afraid. You're supposed to be very, very afraid. Right, right. It's such a beautiful thing because I look at my kids' faces. I should be afraid because I'm trying to provide for them. Right. And that fear is so my friend. It's trying to remind me, yes, step out. Yes, be brave. Uh, risk. But remember what you're trying to do here. And right. please also protect and please also be wise and please also know when you're just at your limits so I think I navigate it by just letting it be 
and mm-hmm. acknowledging who I am and surrounding myself with people who understand those pieces of me. I can sit in a meeting with my managers, Brad and Beth, and they know what I'm feeling. They can speak to it. And they also don't try and push that down. They see that that's really a part of the beauty. It's a part of the success we have here. But they know that they're a really important part of helping me navigate those fears. Wow. That's really, you know, it is so funny because I think in our society, we we try to push away conflict and fear. Like we, we have this idea, at least for me, that mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to be 100% unafraid at all times. Like they say to be brave or to be fearless. And I, I think... I, I think that's that's actually uh, a lie. It, it, yeah. it really is because if you you have to be honest with yourself, like you were saying, and really tap into what is going on in your body at any given mm-hmm. moment. Because because if you don't, I I honestly believe that those those feelings and those situations are gifts that help us push through. Absolutely. My friend Chantal Pirat, the founder of Emerging Women, she said to me one day and I was just I'm like, oh, my gosh, this so resonates. She said, you know, what, Priscilla, I'm just so sick and tired of living from my neck up. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, just how do you embody that feeling when you, you start having fear, you know, kind of like my not they don't tingle my my fingers don't tingle so much as you know i just get that adrenaline that that goosebumpy feeling stuff and it's and it's an alert telling me to engage my brain differently and if i just don't pay attention to my body and i'm un, uh, unaware then i don't get those messages that i'm trying to tell myself and your whole body is working together for your good right. and it is working to try and alert you to what you need to think about but if you you know say no, I only want to think about what came to me in a logical way, then you discount your body. And I got to tell you, you, I also got to think about it this way. I have a 13 year old daughter. I don't want her to be fearless. Right. <laughs> That's about the last thing I would like for her to be. <laughs> I'd like for her to be very, very afraid of people and very skeptical of situations. And I want her to think twice, even about, you know, influences that people are telling, oh, you have to do this or you have to get this degree or you have, even if it's positive, you have to look like this. You have right. to act right. You have to, you know, some of these things are very positive. Of course, we don't want to diminish them, but we also have to ask ourselves, why is this person wanting me to do this? Is this really my life. Oh, wow. So I don't want her to be fearless, not only because she could get hurt, but also because she could also end up not leaving, uh, not living her own life. Right. If right. you continue to do what everybody else tells you to do, you don't really begin that relationship of hearing your own body and being in touch with your own body and, and integrating that into your thought process and your decision making. So I, I definitely hate that be fearless crap. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> in in that on that line, uh, I had heard somebody who was talking about uh, you know you know in the in the scriptures where Jesus heals a leper. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you broke that down to its barest components, mm-hmm. he actually gave the leper the gift of pain. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because leprosy, people think leprosy is, uh, you know, like parts of your body falling off, but it's actually a nerve disease. Mm-hmm. So the the problem is when you if you're if you have uh, nerve endings that don't work, like you could step on 
on a rusty nail and not even know it, and it gets infected, and he gets gangrene, and that's when it falls off. So in essence, what he did was he gave them the gift of pain so that they could react accordingly to what's going on around him. And I thought that was such a brilliant uh, Mm -hmm. way to look at that. And I think the same thing about fear. I think that there is a good, healthy fear as long as it doesn't immobilize you. Right, right. It shouldn't make you, uh, yeah, paralyzed. I agree. But it should be one of the one of the uh, characters in the peanut gallery. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. If right. he wants to heckle me, that's fine. I am going to listen to what fear has to say. I will not let it control me, but I will let it be heard. Wow. Yeah. You're doing so well on this pop quiz am right I? now. Am yeah, I you're, I'm so excited. I, okay, what's next? What's right, next? You're, you're doing good. All right, you ready for the next one? This is, yes, a, good, this is a good one. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> we should end on a positive note. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. <laughs> Why was that podcast cut so short so quickly? <laughs> it was a five-minute podcast. All right. Who has been your biggest or greatest inspiration and why? Whoa. Excluding me, of course. Okay. Well, my my, you know, I can think of some people in business and things like that, but I would say, as far as an inspiration, I would say Frederick Beekner. Oh wow! His, I guess, his life that is a sermon, and his sermons that are about life, and his books that you know, as he jokes around, are far too secular for Christian people to read, and far too Christian for secular people to care right. about. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there I am. <laughs> Thank you for writing to me. <laughs> One of the quotes that I love about him is he admonishes us to listen to our lives Mm. and to, he also has a real knack for calling you to see beauty in very strange places and to look at the mundaneness, what you would maybe perceive as mundane and to see beauty in it and see meaning in it and see something of value in what you would typically just overlook. And I think there's a lot that I've learned from him that's inspired me towards greater self-awareness. And if I could give anybody a gift or inspire anybody towards something, it would be to become more self-aware because it's such an amazing gift, not just to yourself, but it's a gift to people around you because you can really start to appreciate other people. Mm. And you can also really start to serve other people when you understand them. And we all have friends who are quirky and can drive you crazy in different ways. But I think, you know, if you focus on that and you are not self-aware, then you don't realize that you are quirky and you have things that drive people crazy, too. (laughs) And then you end up living your life in such a sad, sad state of, of judgment and lack of gratitude for what people put up with to be with you. Mm, wow, that's and, a great way of putting that. Yeah, and I don't want to live there. And um, also being self-aware, you know, as far as in business, how that works out, it really helps you navigate, or it helps me, I'll just say, it helps me navigate truly serving my clients because sometimes they don't need the facts. Sometimes they're just upset. Sometimes they're just confused. Sometimes they just need a little bit of reassurance. Sometimes we are risking a lot and we're taking a journey together that is very risky. And if you can really become self-aware, a lot of times that spills 
out over it. And instead of blowing up an issue with someone because they're saying something that seems incredibly unfair to say, instead, you can back up and say, hmm, so tell me more. And where's that coming from? And, you know, it seems to me maybe this happened or what do you think about it? It's so it it, it disarms situations Mm -hmm. because you can actually just speak to people as opposed to speak just directly back to the words they're speaking. And again, that goes back to the idea of living from your neck up. It's too cliche to say, like, living from your heart. You know, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about realizing that people are more than just the words they say. Mm -hmm. People are more than just the things they think. They are also, you know, beings. They have feelings. They came into the meeting and somebody said something to them 10 minutes ago that still is rocking their, their brain. And they can't let it go. And so they're acting a certain way. Maybe it has nothing to do with you right now. So that level of self-awareness is so beautiful in your family. It's beautiful in your, you know, with your employees or coworkers or however your work environment is laid out. And it's helpful when you deal with mentors because the more self-awareness you have, the more you can learn from someone. But I find it incredibly helpful with clients. And I'm just learning every day. I'm learning how to get better and better about self-awareness and for us also awareness of uh, like if you can consider our company as a self like how do we show up to them Mm. and be more aware of that oh when something goes wrong maybe we could be self-aware and say oh well you see that is how we did not set a clear expectation and that's why we're having a mess right now so that self-awareness can spill out into your company and make a better way of living across the board Mm. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, read Frederick Buechner. <laughs> yeah, that's your takeaway for today. Yeah, and it's B-U-E-C-H-N-E-R. Yes. And actually. that's my my second my second child, Beck. He's named in honor of Frederick Buechner. I did not know that. Yeah, that's where I wasn't going to name my child Frederick nor Buechner. So, yeah, therefore, right. I like Beck. Beck is Be- a good diminutive of Buechner. <laughs> that's really amazing. I like that. That's really yeah. good. Actually, I have uh, my son-in-law is uh, his middle name is Beck. They call him really? Beck. Yeah. And it's, well, his first name is Kelsey and my stepdaughter's first name is Kelsey. So they got married. So we had to find some sort of uh, delineation between the two. So she's Kelsey Ann, and he's Kelsey Beck. So I just shortened it to Beck. A and B. A, yeah, right. Thing one and thing two. I think <laughs> exactly. That might so have funny. been uh, might have been a little bit offensive, but yeah, uh, that's what I'm that's going okay. with. That's okay. Well, there's also more inspiration there. Beck's middle name is Sumner after Sting. Oh, it are, so. really? Yeah, Beck Sumner. Yeah. Oh, that is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. So if you just look at my kids' names, you'll see all my inspiration. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned uh, on this podcast already, you've mentioned both Peter Gabriel and Sting. Uh, I took mm-hmm. my wife to see them at the Hollywood Bowl. Did we talk about that? No, but... No, I mean, but it was it was freaking amazing. That's well, all I'm going to say about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, you know what? We, we've seen Sting so many times, and a life, you know, a bucket list thing would just be to see Peter Gabriel... Live. Oh. I've never seen him live. And, you know, David Byrne, Peter Gabriel, Freddie Mercury, uh, literally Keith Green. I mean, these are the people that I'd, I'd like to sit down and have a conversation. These are the people I'd want to go to lunch with, you know. Oh, wow. So there you have it. Well, <laughs> How am well, I doing I, so far? <laughs> you are, honestly, you're nailing it. Uh, if, <laughs> if I was giving a grade, I would give you an A-plus for, okay. uh, for effort. Now, you actually gave a perfect, perfect segue to my next question uh, earlier in the conversation. Other than Little Bird Marketing, what 
is another company that you admire and why? Wow, that is, that's pretty hard. I don't know that my brain really engages in the world in that kind of comparative way, but I think some of the things in my industry you might say is the usual suspects. Ogilvy, Saatchi and Saatchi, Shiat right. Day, certainly. Anything out in Portland that's <laughs> gotten to do really cool boutique work with Nike or, you know, um, even Frank. I met some of the people at Frank and really love their environment out there in Portland. My, you know, I, I loved visiting Hub out in Portland, so I'll give them a great shout out. I love those kinds of environments that really have a good blend between creativity and still profitability. <laughs> right. Um, but I think I don't I don't think a whole lot in terms of my industry. That's not my day-to-day work because I'm not really trying to be one of them. Not right. Not that I'm not really trying to be the one. I'm really not trying to be one of them. <laughs> I, you know, I that's this is not my dream. That's not what I'm trying to do. And I don't think better or less for myself for doing that or not doing it. I think the kinds of companies I admire are the ones who get right down to it and who deliver what they say they're going to do. And I'll tell you this one consumer experience that just really rocked my world. Okay. So we've talked about how, the, you know, Steve and I did have not never had network TV ever hooked up. Oh, right, 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 but right. Before we had kids, we didn't have a screen, we didn't have TV. But when we had kids, you know, we got streaming Netflix. So that was the first time that we actually purchased a TV as in like the screen in order to hook it up in the house. And so we hooked it up to a DVD player. Remember those? Oh, good Lord, yes. Okay, we're reaching back a little bit here, but bear with me. And then the Roku came out. And instead of getting Netflix DVDs of every episode of Dora the Explorer (laughs) in the mail at a regular interval... We instead could stream it, and so we thought, $99? Could this be true? And we bought it, and it came, and it literally said, set up in three minutes. I'm like, certainly not. (laughs) This is not going to happen. And I remember the box being cool, you know, and going, wow, this is all organized, and literally had an instruction pamphlet that was, like, small, and it had, like, five instructions and you should be good to go and i thought again certainly not Not. (laughs) literally we followed those instructions and like two and a half minutes three minutes we're like click 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 stream door the explorer (laughs) wow what just happened to me some company had this crazy idea which i don't even understand still to this day how electricity works anyway, let alone Wi-Fi. So, I mean, fax machines still blow my mind, you know, so I don't get that kind of stuff. But when a company translates technology into something so meaningful, so useful, and then delivers a product to me that literally has broken every technology barrier to help me install it, Mm. and they have just quit trying to bring their ego into it and make it so lofty they literally like in five easy steps in two and a half minutes and sure enough that's exactly how that was and i remember even when when netflix made some misstep with you know they were going to change the pricing and there was that whole thing about oh yeah and change their name too yeah yeah and oh hey we apologize we weren't paying attention to consumer behavior and we would not do that again we are a company that is consumer centric and you guys have spoken and we're changing and I'm like, God, I love those companies that don't have ego like that. And a lot right. of people say, oh, of course that's ego because they have to do that because they want to be profitable. No, they don't. They could be jerks. 
Right. <laughs> but they chose not to be. They chose to go a different direction and be soft. And in that way, I think, have some self-awareness. I, I admire whoever came up with the Roku idea, packaged it and made it simple uh, for people and then decided, yes, and we don't need to charge more than 99. So let's just charge 99. I admire that company very much. Wow. Ooh, that was that was not the answer I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> well, on the other hand, I think at this point in our relationship, you're expecting exactly what you're not expecting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the fact that I wasn't expecting that is actually what I should have been expecting. Par for the course. <laughs> exactly. All right. So I have two more questions. Are Are you up for it? You're doing so well. Okay. Yes. I'll right. I'll try and make them shorter. Oh no 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 no. This is good. I would okay. I would not want want them to be any shorter. Because then I would have to ask more questions. To okay. Get deeper in. <laughs> no, let's get these last two ones done. All right. And so, we'll, let, we'll let listeners, you know, send in some new crazy questions. You know, we get a lot of questions about obviously marketing, podcasting, all these kinds right. of things. I got a really great one yesterday about email statistics, so we'll definitely cover that. But you know, this would be good advice to our listeners that you can ask anything. Yes. Well, this is a, this is a perfect segue into my next question, which is. What one piece of advice would you give a college student that wanted to become an entrepreneur? Don't waste your summers and go intern in any place you can. Interesting. Tell, tell me more. Because there are a lot of jobs out there that don't really have titles or you don't even know that they exist or they're just really just forming and if you go intern somewhere number one whether you're paid very little or you're paid nothing at all it would be great experience and I don't mean go have experience and see how someone files the files I'm talking about go big what's something that is not necessarily your dream job I don't mean that but go somewhere where things are moving and shaking, okay? And you're gonna see some things. It's better if you're not paid because there's no pressure on you to do anything but to look around. Mm. And it's just basically glorified job shadowing and you get to try out some new roles. So I think that's really helpful. It also would give you a much better understanding of company culture. You may work somewhere as an intern and go, oh, and now I know I will never work with people like that. So it helps wow. set some standards about what to expect. I have older people, people my age, that come to work here, and they say very frequently to the younger ones who came here directly out of college, they say to them all the time, you have no idea. <laughs> work is not usually like this. You know, and they, they're like, I've suffered for years at past employee employers that were hell, <laughs> you know, and right. people weren't respected. And, you know, they have all kinds of stories. And it feels like kind of a rite of passage that we've all had to work at the office, if you know what I mean. Right. When, when that show came out first, I loved it because more often than not, I spent my my the you know time in the show crying because I worked with those people. Yes. <laughs> it was the it was the uh, the tears of experience. <laughs> I, well, you know, I think that's one of the brilliant things about that show is because everyone can relate to mm-hmm. be, either being in an office like that or being in a job like that or in right. some other institution like that. I think it doesn't have necessarily be confined to like a four-wall office. It, it spans right. everything. We all have people who 
fit each one of those people. Absolutely. But think about like the freedom you'd have if you got a chance to see that for two and a half months and that wasn't, you know, where you were going to have to be for the next five years in order to make the mortgage. Right. You know, you could discover and have a lot of experience. I also think that if you can take an internship somewhere, I think it's not good enough to just work there. I think you need to be very curious. Well, why do you do that? Well, why is this role here? You need to be curious enough to figure out the inner workings of companies because I think you could really walk away with an opportunity, you know, and it's kind of the age old, you know, see a need, fill a need. Right, right. If you're very curious at internships, I think you might be able to come up with the next great idea. Mm-hmm. What is it that keeps happening? What's the problem that keeps happening? Everybody butts up against this issue. And like, oh, I could create a company that would service and, and solve that issue. And so it, as an entrepreneur, if I were to give advice to an entrepreneur, it is more don't rely on your own ideas. Like, oh, I've got a great idea. It, it's, not, it, it, it's not your genius necessarily to have to think of the idea. Uh, of uh, of the actual issue. The genius is observing and finding out what are needs that people have that are real needs so that you can solve a problem. And in solving that problem well, you can earn a lot of money. And so it takes just opening your eyes. Maybe it's not the sexiest business plan. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's developing a consortium of writers and having that service online because you see that all these companies constantly need copy. But they don't have a copy, you know, writer and they're too small to have a copywriter in house. This is someone else's idea. So I'm just using this as an example. But if you were paying attention to what's going on in companies, what are their needs, then you could you could come up with a great idea about how to solve that problem in a different way that people on the inside are not really wired to solve it for themselves. Hmm. Wow. Now, wouldn't you also think that by the time you're in college, you would know if you were an entrepreneur or not? Hmm. I was I just thinking that when, when you were talking about that, because I, I, we had this discussion on an earlier podcast. It's like you said, you know, when you were uh, talking with your husband about uh, s- swapping careers or changing out uh-huh. into something different, he said, well, you've always been uh, right. a marketer. Right. And, and so I, I wonder if... What's what, how am I trying to say this? I, I just wonder if there is a point in time where you go, I don't want to work for anybody else. Hmm. I've got all these ideas. I I am an entrepreneur. You know, I I don't know because you know I knew I was an entrepreneur really young. I mean, at five, I cut all my mom's tulips off and walked around the neighborhood and sold them because I saw the opportunity. <laughs> so. <laughs> I've always been an entrepreneur. My mom always brings that story up. And she made me this cool frame that's a picture of tulips. And, you know, it, has, oh, nice. it, it, hung, it hung in my office that burned down, sadly. But it was a very funny joke that we've always had. I would sell anything. In fact, my sister, Michelle, we joke around all the time because I sold all of her quota of Girl Scout cookies because she's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I'll do it for you. Of course, we were. I was still a little bitter because then I sold so many for her that she won the prize. It was some oh. stuffed animal, and she gave it to her, one of her best friends. 
I'm like, oh, hello. yeah, hello. <laughs> so funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Stuff. But yeah, I've always been a salesperson, always been an entrepreneur, always looking for that opportunity. But I was very happy working in banking and and in accounting. I know, believe it or not, yawn, yawn. But <laughs> I. I did not know as a young person that I was an entrepreneur. I knew that I saw things differently and made connections differently. But I really, I didn't have that start in my eyes work for myself. Mine, like a lot of entrepreneurs, happened to me. Like I kind of stumbled into it. And because I'm not risk averse, I took the opportunity. Mm. But I don't know that it's just like you're absolutely an entrepreneur now I've gone down a path and absolutely I'm not going back (laughs) you know like when you and I went to career day and I mentioned that I was a serial entrepreneur (laughs) oh right 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 Um, so I'm always looking for that next opportunity and it is a different way of thinking but I don't think it was the only thing I could do Um, I don't think I would have necessarily been miserable had I stayed in that particular environment, I've got to say one of the things that really was pushing me out was my entrepreneurial way of thinking and my very strong sales skills were not rewarded enough in my corporate environment. And I had a lot of bad experiences like that. Companies that would promise me certain bonuses if I sold this and sold this, and then they'd change it at the last minute, you know, or just things never panned out. And so they would never really reward the behavior they said they were rewarding. And that burned me out. Right. But the actual right. working, you know, for someone else was not to me a total loss. I didn't know I would be an on, you know, an entrepreneur. I did know that I would constantly want to be in that sales role and be in charge really of my own destiny or my own future. And if you can be a very, very successful salesperson and climb that ladder and be a high flyer in that, you really always can be far more in control of your income than say someone just working at a desk you know doing a particular job for number of hours that kind of trade and and so yeah I, i i don't think i would have ever stayed at the trade you know my time for hours type of thing that's just not i'm not wired that way but i don't know that someone necessarily is hardwired as an entrepreneur it could be skills that you learn also And I didn't have access to either the training, the type of education, or the experience in order to learn it younger. And certainly I'm good at it. And so I wish that I had had that, which is why I go back to my other point, what I would say to college students, and even you want to be an entrepreneur or not, go intern for free at amazing companies. (laughs) Because you will open up your mind to what is actually possible out there, and you will not have to settle. Wow. Wow, that's a great answer. Thank you for that. Hmm. All right, so now I have one more question. Are you up for one more question? You're so close to the finish line. Yeah, I hope this one doesn't bomb. Okay. <laughs> All right, What's here we go. What's your favorite color? Blue. Oh, I, yeah. mean, I mean green. I got it wrong. Green. Wait, I failed it. Hold on. All right, so this is a this is a really great question because, honestly, this is something I struggle with in my own job. Okay, it's Thursday. You really should wear pants. <laughs> Did I get it right? Did I get it right? That was, yeah, no, oh. but you were close, but you were very, very close. Okay. Uh, so here's a, here's a question, and it's a really good one, and uh, I just want you to, to think about the first example that pops into your mind on this. Okay. How long do you stick with an idea before giving up? Hmm. Like, okay, clarify. Like, like Okay, so 
so like you, you and your team mm-hmm. are are in a meeting and you come up with an idea that you think is holy cats this is like the greatest thing since sliced bread i know mm-hmm. that this is the best thing in the world and it just it it's like you spend a ton of time working on it and it just doesn't pan out mhm how long do you beat that dead horse until you actually give up on it or or do you even do that i mean that's i wrestle with that in my job like i mentioned before and mm-hmm. not uh, wearing pants but it's like I'll find an item that I really think would be an amazing deal, and I will dig and dig and dig and spend about 15, 20 minutes digging around when I could be doing other things. Like, it's I'm so focused on this mm-hmm. that everything else gets blurred. So I'm just curious, as a marketer, how long do you stick with an idea that you really are passionate about until you just go, look, it's not working for them, and it's not panning out here, Mm-hmm. We're we're switching gears or we're or we're giving up on that. Okay, uh, here's here's my answer to that. I don't think we get in that position a whole lot anymore, and here's why: we don't start on ideas until we've been very clear about them, and we do what I would refer to as a rapid prototyping of an idea, where very quickly we ask very hard hitting questions about any idea before we put any energy to it. And this kind of comes down to my real stance with companies, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, about how they're not asking the right questions and about how they're not asking the right people the right questions. And so we have, I know this is going to be kind of elliptical, I'll come back around to it though, I promise, is that we have kind of a rapid prototyping way of going about a new idea. And it clarifies very quickly if this idea is something and we should get on it. Um, so some of the hard questions are, what what is the desired outcome? Mm. How much would we have to make if we were to invest in it? Uh, how long would we be willing to wait until we actually made money on it? How much training is going to be involved? Is it going to require people changing a little bit of their job description here? Is it going to be kind of involve a little bit of reorganization? Is it something that serves the purpose of current clients that we have, serves to to, uh, solve something for current clients we have? Does this really solve a problem we see out in the market? And that kind of leads into, is there a market for this? (laughs) <laughs> you know, right. and who are we going to sell it to? And that leads back all the way back to personas. Mm. And so we ask ourselves, we, we may have we have a lot of great ideas, right? But not all of them are worth taking past that rapid prototype or clarifying process. Um, and then if the if if we kind of, you know, hit some good points there, we might move on to the next stage of questions, which is, well, what standards must it be at in order to have this done? Must it be, you know, professional? Must it um, stay within our branding guidelines? Must it, like, what are all the requirements? It has to be easy to implement. It has to have an elevator pitch. It has to, you know, whatever. So what are all the requirements to it? And then, then it can go down the next step. And so literally, I know that seems like a lot, but our team is so good at just firing those off we can very quickly, maybe in 10 or 15 minutes, figure if do we have something and should mm. it go to the next step. I say all that because it's very important for me 
because I am a nine on the quick start scale. And that's a scale of a test that's from a company called Colby, K-O-L-B-E. I find it very helpful. It's not gauging personality. It's not gauging motivation. What it's gauging is what you will or won't do. doesn't matter what you mm. say. Talk all you want. <laughs> will you quick start something? And I am a nine, okay? And that means that my employees sometimes might get a little exhausted being around me if I'm unchecked <laughs> because mm. I not only have a lot of ideas, but I'm very quick to start in on them. So I am very well known to break it to everybody on a Tuesday that while we have a new package, a new service, and these are the, you know, we're going to roll it out starting tomorrow. Right. <laughs> you know, and so they're used to that. But it's so important since I'm a nine quick start that we have something in process. You know, it, it, it really, really lined out in our process that will keep us from just starting everything because mm. it's not worth it. And so they are very helpful with going through these rapid prototyping questions or clarifying questions so that everybody knows why are we doing it. And if it fits all the criteria, then we move on. So I don't. Uh, that's why it's hard for me to say at what point when you've tried something, then you abandon it. For example, our, our podcast, on one hand, it's I don't gauge its success by if it makes us money. Obviously, there's more people crawling on our site and there's more people listening to us and more more people drinking my Kool-Aid. And is that good? Yes. But honestly, if no one were listening, I do this for a very specific reason. This energizes me. I love talking to you. It helps me work out ideas. And also helps me communicate to my team, which is funny because Beth just today on my way into work, she's gone out of town, but I got a text from her about something I said in a podcast. And she's like, yeah, so interesting and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, oh, wow. it's such an interesting way that we connect with each other. And so I'm very clear as to why we do this. So I wouldn't abandon this if it weren't, quote unquote, a success. What do you mean by success? And so that rapid prototyping helps us define, but what would success look like? What is the outcome in terms of the podcast? The desired outcome when we very first started was to give me a place to be myself mm. in a way that would energize me to be able to do my job. And as far as that's concerned, it is a success. So I would never give this up, even if only my mom listened. Mm. And I don't know that my mom even listens. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, so I, I try not to, I guess the, the the short answer is I try not to start things I'm going to have to abandon by putting some procedures in place so that we don't just start everything. Well, uh, that was my last question. So if you'll hold on a second, I'm going to tabulate your score. Okay. That's the tabulation. That was the tabulation sound. <laughs> Sorry, that was awful. For, for me, it would be the sound of me taking off my shoes, so I have uh, extra digits to count. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, well, you passed. Oh, you got a, you. You, Do I you get got to come a, uh, on the next podcast? You do, you do. Uh, the the advantage, this is like a Project Runway, I think. It's like, this gives you the advantage for the next podcast. Oh, I like where, it. Is there an immunity where, idol? Can I be voted off this podcast? <laughs> you might, I don't know. It'd be very lonely in here. I'd be just talking to myself. Well, which, you'll, you'll have that Freddie Mercury album, so don't worry. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> which, uh, talking to myself, which is not unusual, right. actually. Right. It frightens my wife, though, during the day. 
I I think this was great, Priscilla. Thank you so much for uh, number one, just allowing this off the cuff because I know sometimes people want to be prepared and people want to see the questions before they answer them. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I thought you did such a great job. Well, I have a request of my my listeners. We really do need iTunes reviews and high ratings so that more people can discover this crazy podcast because you know everybody has an extra forty minutes in their day. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, but if you want to have fun, um, more people want to discover this. So if you would head over to iTunes and give us a rating, obviously I would love a five star. But instead of actually reviewing the show, why don't you put a question in there and Perfect. we'll try and address it in a future podcast. I think that I think that is a uh, fair question to ask our listeners. Yeah, fun. So there you go. So listeners, you've uh, you've gotten the mandate to head on over to iTunes or wherever you've downloaded this podcast from. Uh, give us a review and ask a question, and and we'll answer it on another show. This has been a lot of fun, Priscilla. Thank you. You're welcome. That was a good pop quiz. We'll have it again it, someday. It was. It was. And I'll I'll put a gold star on it, and you can uh, hang it on your refrigerator. <laughs> so for ponderings from the perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, the modern podcast for the modern entrepreneur. This has been Dan Lebetter along with Priscilla McKinney saying, "Have a great." This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.